Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to speak tonight on uncivilized, untamed, uncaged again. And, and I'm going to talk tonight very simply about the cage of failure. Failure. Anybody ever failed in your life? Anybody ever felt like a failure in your life? I'm going to talk about that because there is a great difference between failing and feeling the fear of failure. I want you to turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor. I trust to be very, uh, very good tonight with my, with my rhythm and with the stories and with the things I have to say. But if I'm not, stay awake, okay? I love you. You may be seated. I would say practically all of us, I'm fixing to show you a picture in just a moment. All of us remember the picture I'm about to show because we've seen it perhaps a thousand times and it's seared our memory. And if it's true that a picture is worth a thousand words, you'll never see a more graphic picture of fear than this one. Show it right now. Show that picture. There it is. The beginning of 9-11-2001. Leave it up. Psychologists and sociologists agree that since 9-11, and I'm not trying to go back 15 years and conjure up something, but fear has been at an all-time high in America. Fear. The entire world at times is paralyzed by fear. It really is. There is a word for fears that literally grips us and rips us many times, and it is called phobias. Everybody say phobias. These fears literally paralyze us. Thank you. That's all I need to see. It's a thousand words. I have a friend named Mike Tuminella that has aviophobia. It's the fear of flying. I didn't realize this until one day we were on a Southwest jet riding together. Him, there was a vacant space in the center seat. And he, uh, we hit a little bump. And he grabbed me like, Somebody was trying to throw me on the ground. He grabbed my arm. He said, oh, my God. And I said, Mike, what is the problem? <laughs> he said, what was that? I said, it was, it was an air. It was an air bump. It's okay. No, it wasn't. Something's wrong with this plane. We're going down. <laughs> and when I, when I got to the end of that plane, not only did I have bruises on this left side. <laughs> seriously. I had a phobia of getting on planes with people that have a phobia of flying. (laughs) I don't know what that is. About two months later, I was privileged to be on a plane with him again. And on the other side, they set me in the middle this time. On the other side was another pastor. I won't call his name because he would get upset and very angry with me if I challenged his phobias. But he grabbed this arm as Mike grabbed this arm. And I looked at both of them and I said, I'm glad to know that I'm your Messiah today. (laughs) If the plane goes down, boys, I'm going down with it. (laughs) And both of them said, don't say that. They were literally sweating bullets. They really were. They were sweating bullets. There are so many phobias phobias in America today. There's even a a, a website, www.phobialist.com. 
that lists at least 500 human fears that people actually experience. And there's about 50 million people in the United States of America who actually suffer from some type of phobia in their lifetime. You won't believe some of the fears I've found and some of them you'll recognize like claustrophobia. You know what that is. It's a fear of confined spaces. By the way, Brother Tumanella and I got on an elevator one day and it got stuck between floors and he mauled me saying how we're going to get out of here. I said, you got to get off of me, you big brute, so I can get to the phone and call somebody. He sunk down just in the corner. He said, oh God, thought it was over. If you tell him this, I will only confirm it because it's true. Then there's a, there's a word called dentophobia. It's the fear of dentist. And there's a word called pentaphobia. It's the fear of your mother-in-law. <laughs> and then there's homolophobia. 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 It's the fear of sermons. Uh-huh. Anybody got that here tonight? And there's, then there's a ratchy buterophobia. That's the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. <laughs> These are funny, aren't they? And then there's luposlipophobia. Luposlipophobia. It's the fear of being pursued by timber wolves around the kitchen table while wearing crew socks on a freshly waxed floor. <laughs> Folks, you believe there's some scared people in this world? Slipolupophobia. Luposlipophobia. There's no question that fear is real. The Bible's not silent, silent on the subject of fear. Second Timothy, Paul said, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. The word fear there in this passage comes from the Greek word phobos, which means run, <clears throat> running scared. It's the only place in the New Testament where that word is used. That word fear, phobos, is used only one time. Fear is not in God's will for our life, but God knew that we would have to deal with fear, and that's why the phrase fear not is mentioned many, many times, over 300 times in the Bible. And as a pastor, I have to deal with the number one fear of all people according to the, every survey ever taken, and that is this, glossophobia. It's the fear of speaking in public. I have to face that every time I speak. I heard a story about a sales rep that was preparing the most important presentation of his life and he had never spoken in public before or any group before and he was terrified, literally terrified. So he went to a psychiatrist <laughs> and asked if he could help him. And the psychiatrist said, I can help you very easily. It's very easy. He said, I'm going to implant a hypnotic suggestion in your mind and I want you to read over your presentation and try to memorize as well as you can and then just before you speak, say one, two, three. And that will trigger what you're going to say and you'll, be, you'll give the most brilliant presentation of your entire life. And the sales rep said, is that all there is to it? He said, that's all there is to it. He said, that's it. However, he said, do not say one, two, three, four. Because if you say or hear that, you will freeze up, lose your train of thought and make a complete idiot of yourself. So the sales rep was ecstatic. So he went home and gathered his family together. Said, I'm going to give you the speech I'm going to present tomorrow. And he said, one, two, three. And he spoke it and it was a fabulous presentation. His family clapped real big. The next morning he goes and went to work and got some of his friends together. They met in a little coffee area and it worked again. 
They, they gave him a standing ovation. Then came the afternoon of the big day. And everything was set up in the boardroom and he was speaking to a thousand people that were supposed to buy this product and the CEO of the company looked at him and nodded him to get up and be ready to speak and then the sales manager said, okay, I mean the, the CEO said, okay, are you ready? He said, I'm ready. He said, one, two, three. And the CEO looked up at him and he said, what did you say one, two, three for? <laughs> That's a cute story, I'll kill you. The cage of the fear of failure is what I'm going to talk about tonight. If you're a golfer, you understand failure is the number one fear we face on a golf course. David Ledbetter is known as one of the top one or two teaching professionals in the whole world. He said, every golfer has felt this at some time or other. You're over the ball, but you're not sure about something. So you're asking yourself questions while you're over the ball, like, can I get it over that water? Can I keep it out of the trap? Do I have the right club? Am I aiming at the right place? How much should I allow for the wind? And what did I do with that? What did I do wrong on that last shot? I ask that question a lot. Combine all of this with tips and technical swing thoughts and what he said you suffer from is paralysis through analysis. And what Ledbetter is saying was you, you have to step up to the ball with no fear of failure in your mind. Because if you have one ounce of fear of failure in your mind, you're going to hit a bad shot. The same is true in life, folks. Hear me now. One of the greatest men of the Bible, a man called the Apostle Paul, understood failure firsthand and he deals with it head on. And I want to talk to you about how Paul said we need to address this thing called failure. Number one, remember this, the fact of failure. Remember the fact. Everybody say failure is a fact. The book says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 in the contemporary English version, it says, I like this version, we often suffer, but we're never crushed. Even when we don't know what to do, we never give up. In times of trouble, God is with us. And when we're knocked down, we get up again. Everybody say, we often suffer, but we're never crushed. Even when we don't know what to do, we never give up. In times of trouble, God is with us. And when we're knocked down, we get up again. Do you see the essence here? When bad stuff happens, good stuff follows. Paul understood what it was to be knocked down. He knew what it was to trip up. He knew what it was to stumble and to fall flat on your face. The first thing I want everybody in this building to learn about failure is this. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say this, these two words. Everybody fails. Say it again. Everybody. Everybody fails. That means everybody shoots an air ball sometime. That means everybody bogeys a hole in life. That means everybody strikes out at the plate sometimes. In fact, I love this scripture in James in the New Living uh, Testament. It said, we all make many mistakes. That is, we all fail. We do. Failure is a fact of life. You've got to remember that. Remember the fact of failure. In fact, this may be hard for you to believe, but successful people experience failure almost as often as unsuccessful people experience it. On the average, successful people fail two out of every five times that they attempt something. And unsuccessful people fail three out of five times. 
There's a lot of similarities between successful people and unsuccessful people. First of all, everybody say, we all fail. You got to get that in your head. We all fail. Everybody has failed somewhere at something, sometime in your life. The second thing I want you to understand is we all fail very often. We all fail often. Nobody has only failed one time in your life. Failure is something we experience almost on a daily basis. Am I helping anybody? Number three, we will all continue to fail till we die. So let's say it. We all fail. We fail often. And we'll continue to fail till we die. But Ecclesiastes said, there's no one on earth who does what is right all the time and never makes a mistake. Everybody does. Even superstar athletes fail. Do you know that the greatest shooters in the NBA miss 50% of their shots? They really do. The best hitter in baseball failed seven out of 10 times at the plate. Babe Ruth hit 714 home runs and struck out 1,330 times. I love it one day. He was facing Lefty Grove in the World Series. And this is, this is just for the men. Ladies, just tune me out. This is for you baseball buffs. And the Yankees were down four to one and it was the top of the ninth and Lefty Grove had Babe's number and he had struck him out three straight times and Babe came up in the top of the ninth with the bases loaded. And they were playing in Philadelphia at Old County Mac Stadium and, and the old Lefty threw one by him and he swung with all of his might. Ever, ever, ever pitch, he had struck him out in nine pitches three times. Nine pitches. He had thrown three pitches every time, and Babe couldn't put a bat on the ball. He swung with all his might and missed. Swung the second time and missed. He had sw- missed 11 straight swings against Lefty. And then he, Lefty threw him another one, and there was a sickening thud of bat meeting the ball. And Babe hit a grand slam, and the Yankees won. Check it out. Oh, somebody likes the Yankees. And here's the point. They asked Babe, you got anything to tell young men? He said, yeah, when you strike out, keep swinging. <laughs> Just keep swinging. I'm telling you, folks, everybody strikes out. Everybody goes down swinging. Everybody bogeys a hole. Everybody has air balls. Everybody messes up in life. George Washington, our great first president, lost two of every three battles he ever fought. R.P. Macy, who founded Macy's Department Store, started seven businesses and had seven bankruptcies before he finally started Macy's because everybody fails. In fact, everybody on earth is a spiritual failure from the Pope to Billy Graham. I'm telling you that. The Bible says, for we have all sinned and we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. In God's eyes, we've all failed to meet his standard of absolute perfection because nobody is perfect. Come on now, clap your hands to that. I'm talking about the cage of failure. It's time to get out of that. So what do I do? I remember the fact of failure. Here's what I want to preach now. Here's the fulcrum of the whole story. Here's the thing that balances the seesaw. You've got to reject the fear of failure. Everybody say, I reject, I reject the, fear the fear of failure. failure. Failing's one thing. Having the fear of it is another thing. You got to remember that we fail, but you reject the fear of failing. Everybody say, I reject it. Paul's words say it this way. We're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed, broken. We're perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. We're We're hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and keep on going. Paul failed and Paul failed. But he didn't fall to the fear of failure. Let me preach. In America, we have losers and we 
We hate them and we love winners. And we want to succeed at all costs in America because failure is considered really in America the unpardonable sin. Can you say amen to that? Nobody wants to be called a failure. So we fear it. We begin to fall to the paralysis, though, of the analysis of failure. See, the fear of failure can cause you to be indecisive. If you're, you're so worried that you will make the wrong choice, you can't make a choice. The fear of failure can cause you to be a workaholic. You're afraid somebody else is going to get ahead of you, so you work harder to stay ahead. The fear of failure can cause you to be a perfectionist. When you're always worried that what you're doing is never going to be good enough and you're afraid people won't like you, here's the problem. We over-exaggerate the effects of failure. Think about it. Failure, folks, is not the end of the world. Clap your hands to that. It's not the end of the world. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to kill you. You're not going to die from it. But put it on the board. Fear of failure is a lot more dangerous to your life than failure itself. And here's why. Next, next slide. Because you can move beyond failure and leave it behind. But you take the fear of failure everywhere you go. I have talked to people in my office. I have counseled people in my 46 years of pastoring. And it's not the failure that bothers them. It's the kind of failure they went through and then they fear that they'll never be successful and you can leave failure back yonder, but you take the fear of failure everywhere you go. If you made a mistake in 1980 and you've repented of your sins and God's covered it with the blood, don't you walk into 2016 saying that you're going to have failure again. You hear me? Don't say I'm going to repeat that situation again because I'm telling you, God is here to deliver you from that. It's not the fact that you're not going to fail. You just can't carry that fear of failure around everywhere. Amen. Amen. I talked to somebody just the other day. He said, Pastor, I had an unsuccessful marriage in my life. I had an unsuccessful marriage. And he said, I just never thought that I could ever have success because I had an unsuccessful marriage. Let me tell you something. It wasn't the failure that got him. It was the fear of what had happened in it. And he didn't think he could ever be successful again. Where hell wants to beat you is not saying, oh, you're a failure. Where hell wants to beat you is saying, you can't do anything. I'm going to cause you to have all kinds of frozen thoughts. You'll never be able to move off of center because of the mistake you made and the situation you decided on back there. And you're going to have fear for the rest of your life. And the Bible said failure don't torment you, but fear hath torment. But perfect love casteth out fear. Amen. And I'm telling you, I'm trying to remove the fear of failure out of this house because everybody here has failed. Get up, dust yourself off, and let's go on and not have fear in our life. Amen, amen. Oh, that's good preaching. See, the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is not that successful people never fail. The difference is successful people don't quit. I preached one time at a revival and three of the pastor's sons, the pastor had five sons, three of them came to me and said, you need to quit preaching. I was sloppy that night. I had nothing to say and I knew it and I was trying to cry my way through that sermon. God loves you. And I had nothing to say. I had nothing to say. I had preached myself. I had been in a revival from October to February and I'd run out of sermons. I had preached every night, every night from October 
through February and I was finished. I was done. And we'd had many people get saved and many people get baptized. And I was done. And I was just, I was on empty. And I had to produce again. And I thought, God, can I preach something? I preached back in October here in February. And I, and, and, and I, I couldn't. So I just said, well, I'm, I'm going to preach. And, and, I, and I saw this little old phrase. I saw this little phrase, God's trombones. And I had no biblical text. I just said, God's got some trombones. Hallelujah. <laughs> and those preacher boys came up to me and all three of them made preachers. And they have fallen on their face 47 times. But they come up to me and he said, man, you ought to quit. That's the worst sermon I've ever heard in my life. Not just from you, in my life. And that, that fear got a hold of me. That fear got a hold of my spirit. And it stayed in my spirit until I became a pastor in Dallas, Texas in 1975. And one day in 1975, God gave me a miracle in the pulpit. And absolutely, I never had realized that I had wrestled with the fear of failure like I had until God gave me a glorious success one day. And then he tapped my brain and said, son, this makes up for all the fear that you've had. Now, don't be afraid any longer. Get up and declare my gospel. If you stutter, if you stammer, if you can't get it out, just keep preaching because I'm with you. And besides that, you're not saving them anyhow I am. You're not healing them anyhow I am. And God gave me victory over the fear of failure. That's what we got to do. We got victory over it. We got to get victory over it. Do you know entrepreneurs almost never get their first business off the ground or their second or their third? Tulane University business professor Lisa Amos says the average for entrepreneurs is 3.8 failures before they finally make it business. 3.8, almost four failures apiece before people make it. See, successful people don't let failure cause them to quit though. And they don't let the fear of failure prevent them from ever trying again. There's a difference between failing and being a failure. Hear me now. You're never a failure until you quit. Say it. You're never a failure until you quit. You're never a failure until you give up. Failing is not failing to reach your dreams. Failure is not having a dream. Failure is not setting a goal and missing it. Failure is not having a goal to shoot for. Failure is not falling down. Failure is refusing to get back up. And failure is a fact of life. It's not a way of life. Think about it, folks. How many of you remember learning how to ride a bicycle? You know how you, you, know how you learned how? You fail. God, I fail so many times. I was telling Brother Fender today what I was going to preach. He said, well, tell him when I fell, I had to take, go back to the porch and get on the bicycle the same way every time. I had to get back to the porch and get on it. I'm going to tell you something, folks. You fell down, and you know what you did? You, you wiped your, leg, your britches off, or if you had short britches on, you wiped your knees off and got back on that thing and said, I'm coming again. And you fell again. You ran into a fence because you didn't know how to use the brakes. <laughs> you ran into the porch, and you fell down again, and you, and you got back on that bike. And after a while, you hollered at your mama, I'm doing it! <laughs> because you wouldn't give up. That's what I'm trying to preach tonight. It's not the fact that you're going to fail, but when you do fail, get back up and get back on and let's go again and see what God has for you in your life because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the difference between successful and non-successful people is not failing. It's the fact that successful people never quit. They just keep getting back up. They keep getting back up. 
Michael Jordan. They can say what they want to about Kobe and LeBron. I love them. This is for men. Women, shut your ears. This is for men. I love Kobe. I love LeBron. I love that kid out there wears number 30 for his Golden State. Ask my, ask my grandson what his name is. He'll tell you right now. Steph Curry. I, I, I love these kids. I love them. They're great ball players. They remind me of me when I was a young man. <laughs> In my dreams. <laughs> but Michael, Michael just did it. He defined it. He defined it. I mean, I never sung a song, If I Could Be Like Kobe. But if I could be like Mike. You know, Mike's got a song. Mike, Mike had this song. But do you know Mike, Michael Jordan, missed 26 game-ending shots that decided victory or defeat? He missed them. He missed them. But guess what? Every time there was a game-ending bucket to be made, guess who asked for the ball? Michael. He never was afraid of the moment because he understood I failed 26 times, but I'm going to shoot again. I'm going to keep shooting and ask the old boy that played for Utah if he didn't push off that night and didn't make it. But it don't matter because he made it. Here's what I'm telling you. Nobody remembers that Mike missed 26 except people like me telling you. But Mike just kept shooting. That's what successful people do. They don't have fear of failure in their game. The highway of success is often sometimes travels through the tunnel of failure. You got to go through the tunnel of failure, but you're going to be successful if you just don't quit. Say amen. And so the last thing I want to preach is simply this. Not only do you remember the fact of failure, not only do you reject the fear of failure, but you rejoice in the face of failure. You rejoice. Paul said we never give up. Our bodies are gradually dying, but we ourselves are being made stronger each day. These little troubles, failures are getting us ready for an eternal glory. That will make all of our troubles, our failures seem like nothing. Things that are seen don't last forever, but things that are not seen are eternal. That's why we keep our minds on the things that we cannot see. Hallelujah. Paul actually rejoiced, folks, that he was staring into the face of failure because he knew that one of God's primary tools of making you what he wants you to be is failure. And he knew that every failure is only temporary, but successes are forever. And Paul said failure is God's greatest teaching tool. Mistakes are meant to teach us. When you take a mistake and figure out what doesn't work, and eventually when you figure out things, enough things that don't work, you're going to figure out what does work. I read the other day, and I read it again, and I'm not going to talk about it long, but Thomas Edison, do you know how many times he failed making the light bulb? 999 times. On his thousandth try, he finally got it together and made a bulb that lights now. He wouldn't quit at 565. He wouldn't quit at 777. He wouldn't quit at 828. No, sir. He didn't go home at 9 o'clock. <laughs> he stayed around because I got one more thing I'm going to try before I come to bed. Come to bed. I'm going to try one more thing. And finally, on his thousandth effort, the light shined. And here's what I'm trying to say. Here's what I want to say. David said, my troubles turned out all for the best 
They force me to learn from your textbook. I learned some things in my failure, so I'm going to rejoice in the fact that I failed from time to time because I'm going to learn something. It's not tragic to fail. It's a tragedy when you fail and don't use that failure for the benefit to learn from it. There's such a thing as a successful failure because anytime you learn from a mistake, folks, you've turned a failure into a success. Some of you remember the, the automobile, the Etzel automobile? Remember the Etzel in the 50s? Okay. Okay, I'm the oldest one in the house, huh? <laughs> I was two. <laughs> no, I was actually one. But it was made by the Ford Motor Company. And it was hyped as the greatest automobile that ever hit the road. But nobody liked it, nobody bought it, and nobody wanted it. And Ford Motor Company lost tens of millions of dollars. And it became the butt of numerous jokes. And it was known as the biggest boondoggle, one of the biggest boondoggles in the history of manufacturing. And you may not know the rest of the story, but I want to tell you the rest of the story. You don't fail when you fail. You fail when you quit. And Henry Ford would not quit. He just wouldn't quit. I know I've told you his story about driving up on a, a man one time. He was in a, 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 a limousine and a man was trying to fix his car. And he got out, got out of the car and he said, sir, you having trouble with this car? He said, yes, sir, I can't get it started. He said, well, get under the, get under the, the wheel there and I'll, I'll see what I can do. And the man looking at this man in this tuxedo like, what is he going to do? And the man rolls up his sleeves and taps here and taps there. And all of a sudden he says, start it. And the man started. He said, okay. And he put it down, dried his hands off. And he said, well, who do I pay? What can I pay? He said, you don't owe me nothing. And he said, well, who do I think? He said, well, my name's Henry Ford. And I made that car. And I can't stand one of my creations on the side of the road not running. I love the fact. I love the fact that Henry Ford just wouldn't quit. So he took the same scientist that created the Etzel. And with a few reprovisions uh, re, 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 re and re-upping re some things and turning this and making this a little bit better, they came up with what was known as the Ford Mustang. Stay with me now. Oh, it's getting interesting now, isn't it? Sometimes you've got to rejoice. Sometimes you've got to rejoice in your failure. You can't just lay down and quit because you messed up on an Edsel. And they made the Mustang, which was the number one selling car for a long time with Ford. And then the same scientist... That made that, they were old men now, they tuned it a little bit and they made this Ford called the Taurus. And it was the number one selling car of all cars in America for a number of years. What looked like a huge failure turned around by people learning that we can make something better. Hallelujah. We can tweak this and tweak that and we can come out with a Mustang and we can come out with a Taurus and we can rule the world with selling cars. And here's what I want to tell you folks. The enemy wants you to fall down and quit when you make a failure in your life. But you got to rise up and say, I'm going to bless the name of the Lord at all times. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice. You know, one of the things, one of the things that bothers me as a pastor, one of the things that bothers me as a pastor is these new rules in ball with these young kids. Nobody loses anymore. Everybody gets an award and everybody does good. And, And those little kids go off and I got, a, I got a snow cone. So let me tell you something. One of the greatest things you can hinder your kids with is letting them always win at everything. 
You, you, you can't do that. Now, that don't mean you take your kid's head and dunk on him, <laughs> hurt him. But having your child win all the time. I remember when I used to wrestle with Justin, he's a little old boy. I'd get on him and I'd say, I'm going to get you because we had the word calf rope. I'm going to get you, son. And I'd be on top of him. He'd be crying and trying to get up and I wouldn't let him up. And finally I would flip over and he'd get on me. Then the tears were just gone because it really wasn't tears. It was crocodile. And he'd get on me and he'd start pounding me on the chest and and I'd like I fell out, you know, then I'd roll on him and, and he'd go crazy. I remember one day dad came home and I was just learning how to play basketball as, as a kid. And, and, and I, I wasn't that good. And, and I, I thought I was. And so daddy said, well, son, I'll play you in a game of horse. And so daddy, daddy never talked about basketball. He always talked about baseball. He never talked about basketball. And he just sat out there and he had this little two-handed set shot. And everything he threw up went in. I'll never forget it. And it, it, it wore me out. I cried like a baby. I said, Daddy, you're, you're not fair. It's not fair. You're not fair. You're not playing fair. And my daddy said, son, 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 I'm going to teach you a little humility, son. You're not going to win every day. You're not going to win every game. You're going to get beat sometime. Can I preach a little bit? Hey, you're going to get hit in the face sometime. Your thing's going to happen different in your life and wrong in your life. But you've got to learn to get up because successful people are not people that don't fail. The successful people get back up and say, I'm going to rejoice in the fact that I'm going to learn something from this failure. And finally, I got a little older. And one day, one day, I'll never forget, it was a Friday. It was a Friday. I'll never forget the day. Daddy came home and I beat him in, in horse. I beat him. And when I beat him, I went nuts. <laughs> And my daddy couldn't stand that. He couldn't stand that. Daddy met Ben Crenshaw one time, and Ben had just won the Masters for the second time. And I said, Daddy, now he's a great golfer. Well, Daddy didn't know anything about golf, and he, it didn't bother him. Nothing hardly moved my daddy. And he said, so he walks up, and I said, Ben, this is my father, Wendell. Wendell, this is Ben Crenshaw. He just won the Masters. And he said, my son said, you're fair to meddling pretty good. No, Daddy, he's great. He's a great golfer. And I love what Ben said. I love Ben. That's why I love General Ben. He said, Mr. Johnson, I miss a whole lot more shots than I hit, and I am fair to meddling. I'm not that great. He said, in fact, I'd rather build a golf course and play any time because the pressure's so great to play. And my daddy said, that's what I told you. I told you, son, I told you. <laughs> but my daddy taught me something about this thing called humility. You don't win every day. Yes. You don't win every day. You don't win every day. Some days you're going to fall down. Some days you're going to get beat. Some days you're going to fail. Some days it's going to look like you're never going to get up. But rejoice not against me, O my enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. It's not the fact that I fail. You're not going to keep me down. I'm not going to have a fear of failure. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to learn something in the face of failure. Woo, hallelujah. 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 So let me quit. Let me quit. You think about it. If you never failed in life, if everything you touched turned to gold, if every game you played you won, if everything you did always succeeded, do you realize how difficult it would be to live around you? God allows failures to come into our life to keep us humble. That's a great thing about being a Christian. Christian life is not a, is not a failure. It's free. We're free by the grace of God. It's a life of grace. One of the greatest ways you'll ever witness to other people is by the way you handle failures in life. 
Because Christians fail just like non-Christians do. Now, I'm going to be slow and serious, Randy. If you'll help me, I'm done. I'm finished. Let me ask you a question. What failures eat at you today? Have you had a marriage failure? Perhaps a financial failure, career failure, moral failure? Every one of us at some point has fallen. And if you've fallen, even if you failed, I've got good news for you. I want you to read Colossians 2, 14 when you get home. The new contemporary version, God canceled our debt, which listed all the rules we failed to follow. He took away the record with its rules and nailed it to the cross. That's what God did for us. When Jesus died on the cross for you, he paid for every single failure you ever did and ever will do. You know what that means? There's only one failure you need to fear in life. Only one. You don't need to fear any other failure except this one. You need to fear this one. Hebrews 12 said, be careful that no one fails to receive God's grace. That's the only one that matters. Everybody say, I need God's grace. Christianity is not living up to God's standards. It's not about that. Christianity is allowing the Son of God, Jesus Christ, to step into our world. And because God cannot fail, He can take us when we do fall and lift us up. Don't fail to receive the grace of God because it's only by the grace of God that we overcome. Everybody say, I'm going to remember, I'm going to reject. And I'm going to rejoice because I know that I'm human and that humans err and humans make mistakes. Kind of like that, kind of like that old preacher that was preaching in East Texas one day. And he said, I want anybody that thinks they're perfect and they've never made a mistake to stand up. And an old man in the back stood up. And he said, well, he can't hear me, so I won't say it louder. I said, if anybody's perfect, I want you to stand. The man just kept standing. He said, sir, can I ask you why you stood? He said, I'm not standing for myself. I'm standing for my wife's first husband. (laughs) That's all I hear is how perfect he was. Have I told you lately I love you? Have I told you you're awesome people? I'm coming out of that cage of the fear of failure. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Somebody do the math. Somebody do the math. 52 weeks. Times 26 years. Four times a week. Do the math. Give me an answer. Do the math. I don't have it in my head. Somebody do the math. On your calculator. You know your calculator. You got them cell phones. I know I heard them ringing. (laughs) Do the math. How much? You saying that? You saying it? 52 weeks times 26 years times four. How much? Okay, over 5,000 times 
I have preached in this church in the last 26 years. And tonight, I have helped me. And I hope I've helped you. Because I want you to understand that we'll always remember we're going to fail. But I reject, I reject fear of failing. And I rejoice in the fact that God can make something better in my life because I have failed. Stand to your feet, you're awesome people. I'm going to dismiss you. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.